Do you like comics? We're here to talk comics. This is the Superhuman Registration Podcast. It's the 20th anniversary of Scott Pilgrim. Is it really that old? Yeah. Yes. Like the first issue the, or like, the last one? Like they finished. Uh, first issue. Okay. Well, I mean, Oh, still. Of, the, of the book, not the movie. Okay, good. Whew. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, I, you know, came to Scott Pilgrim through the comic and the comic was hugely informative on my like 20 something decade and maybe even my early thirties, to be frank. Uh, I don't think that's a, like, I don't think that's a comment that reflects well on me. <laughs> as much as I like Scott Pilgrim, it's like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, this is not. This is not something you want to identify with. I think it's okay to identify identify with it, as long as you don't still think <laughs> that you are him. <laughs> oh no. no. I think that's the problem. Like, as long yeah. as you don't try to date high school girls, I think you're in the clear. Uh, you can't be, you know, you can't help what stuff like is targeted at you at the age that you, I mean, I don't know. You try to explain out of context to someone who has no idea like about what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and why that was the coolest thing in the world and, and comes back around every so often like it did this summer. <laughs> that movie is still the coolest mutant, thing around. Mutant Mayhem is, is nice. <laughs> that is a good That's movie. so rad. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm someday, I'm gonna I'm gonna I will see it. it's oh it's so good and and I still want the blimp I still want the blimp from Ninja <laughs> Turtle I never had the blimp toy I had the sewer I had the pizza shooter uh, I had I had the, the ones that changed into turtle like baby turtles or whatever those were awesome I had friggin case no never got Casey Jones either um, had Mondo Gecko didn't have the blimp oh you had you had Lizard Paul Rudd yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I duck guy too. I forget his name, but he got puked on one car trip back in the day. <laughs> oh, tragic! Wait, which guy was this? I I don't know, man. They had a million side characters, and my mom was like always looking for uh, Casey Jones because he was in the movie and could never find him. But in the meantime, she got me like all of the other ones. You know, I had Bebop and Rocksteady, and I had other guys and stuff. But I I think I didn't have. All four, like a regular version of all four of the turtles. I had like, you know, one that had like a wind up thing in the back, and one that, like I said, turned into the baby turtle. But uh, never they just Casey Jones. It was like the white whale, you know. <laughs> oh. <Not> racist. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay because I'm white. <laughs> it's Casey. Casey and I are. Casey and I, I have are white brothers. friends. It's okay. I have yeah. <laughs> I got a pass from Casey Jones. <laughs> I well, I love the comment that's like that's like people worrying about white people becoming the minority and like there's always that response that's like why is there a problem with the way minorities are treated where you're from? <laughs> Such a good response. We have to get started on talking about the comics because if we don't i will literally talk about teenage mutant ninja turtles for the rest of the night we could start a second podcast to just talk about ninja we could just talk about the movies with mikey um um <laughs> thing he did not too long ago i can't remember it popped up on my youtube it was like john come on why haven't you seen this <laughs> here's the thing we could easily do a couple of episodes on each of the turtles movies we could do a special episode or two on the Movies with Mikey thing, because Movies with Mikey has covered Ninja Turtles three times, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. That's not even talking about the comics. I was going to say, we could spend years talking about the comics. Those comics are so good. I love the IDW run. I think it's been phenomenal. I've dropped off a little bit, and I mean to hop back on it, but, oh boy, it's been some yeah. of my favorite Turtle stuff. I, I, in the great comics purge, I got rid of my IDW Ninja Turtles comics. In my head, I was like, IDW comics pop up on Humble Bundles often. 
Mm-hmm. So they'll put it up on Humble Bundle at some point, and I'll get it off of the Humble Bundle, and I'll have it digitally. It'll be fine. <laughs> I've been married for, what, five years now? Hasn't happened. And now I'm just out all of those Ninja Turtles comics Which, that were so good. Were they, were they singles, or were they collections? They were, they were collections. I've, oh, okay. I've always been a trade yeah, guy. Okay. And so I can rebuild that collection with time, assuming I don't blow all of my money on magic cards. But even <laughs> that, that's another topic that we could spend hours and hours on. We're here to talk about comics. Hi, my name's Steven. It's been a while. How are you guys? It's been a while since we recorded a podcast. Episode it's been a while. worth the three of us. <laughs> It's been Although, a while John. since we talked about Marvel Zombies and it's been a while since you heard that I hate them. <laughs> we're still going to, we're, we're spooky season adjacent. We're definitely recording this after Halloween, but you know, we committed and we are men of integrity who definitely followed through on our promise to read Marvel Zombies 5 and R.L. Stein's Man-Thing. <laughs> you, you say promise this it's more like a blood pact at this point <laughs> it's like a tontine yeah. that none of us want to win it's definitely like a blood curse the yeah the day the day we stop reading marvel zombies for the podcast is the day there's no podcast uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. or no marvel zombies so well, you, one can hope that's not gonna happen yeah we're we're like a generation and a half away from that because of I blame Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Not incorrectly. I blame Walking Dead for a lot of things. <laughs> Some unjustly so. Well, we're already kind of talking about it. John, I think you were the one who said you wanted to summarize this. You were dying to summarize this. You needed desperately to summarize Marvel Zombies. Something about drawing the short straw and life not being fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess nobody told you life was going to be this way. My wife is literally in the next room um, <laughs> watching that. She watched. She watched the um, episode where uh, I don't. Why we're not talking about friends? No, John, that's John, like super, super, super quick aside. Are you gonna Are you gonna take her to the uh, to the Friends Experience downtown? Shh! Don't let her know that that's a thing. I don't want to pay money to go like sit in a mock up of Central Perk. <laughs> I can't hear the Friends theme song without thinking of Disturbed. <laughs> I think it was a Neil Ciceriga joke where he's like, so no one told you life was gonna be this way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if we're talking about like white people becoming the minority, go to the Friends experience and find out why that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, it just feels kind of beigey in here. It's kind of, hmm, kind of, kind of taupe and Bland. <clears throat> Marvel Zombies 5 um, starts with a Western. Um, the story, which I believe picks up from the last time, is that Morbius, Dr. Morbius, seeks a cure by gathering samples of zombie DNA from other universes. So we start off with a Western, and we meet Jakali Kane, who is the daughter of hero-slash-gunslinger Hurricane. He's kind of the local gunslinger-slash-saloon owner and town drunk. Um, Jakali Kane is uh, our, our point of view character, and all of a sudden, we uh, she's bringing uh, Arno Stark, a uh, East Coast investor, out to the town, and um, zombies uh, attack. As zombies appear. Um, I think they have a preserved body. That oh, oops, it was a zombie. Um, some version of Captain America, I think, because it's an altered dimension and it's in the past. And um, zombies attack, and um, the uh, heroes that appear are Machine Man and Howard the Duck. And um, Jakali is saved by them from an old timey um, Howard or Arno Stark Iron Man, I guess. They, um, sorry, um, Howard the Duck was autocorrected to something else in my notes here. Uh, it rhymes with duck, but it's not what I was going to say on our clean podcast. Um, <clears throat> so, 
old timey Iron uh, Iron Man um, is blown up by uh, Machine Man. Um, weird pairing, but they save her. She gets the powers that her father has of being a, a like super speed, quick draw. As long as someone's opposing her, um, she can outrun them. I guess is kind of what it boils down to. And um, they go, they take off to another world. They decide, ah, let's let's keep the kid around. So they go to another uh, world where there's a different zombie variant. It's world War of the Worlds. If it really happened, there are Martian tripods all over the place. They've come back after succumbing to Earth's illnesses, um, and. The local heroes are glad that zombieism will rid them of the Martians because they they are see it as poisoning their food supply since the Martians have been uh, rounding people up as food, which is gross. Um, the the next issue takes us to the Black Knight times and the Black Knight Sir Percy um, uh, finds the Darkhold, this this evil book, um, and the uh, zombies in this one regenerate. They're uh, referred to as Ramies. So there's some callback to the Evil Dead and that book in there. Um, Jakali is able to use the Black Knight's sword to stab the Darkhold and free them of that. Um, issue four is a whole bunch of techno babble. It's like a wannabe Matrix kind of garbage. Uh, Amadeus Neo Cho <laughs> is a, uh, it's it's bad. It's like it's like um, uh, Julie uh, shoot. The actor, oh crap, in Ghostwriter. It's the go to example of like people writing dialogue about the internet and about technology that don't know anything about it. Crap. Anyway, what's the name of that actress? You guys know what I'm talking about? Am I Julie just. Julie Styles. Julie Styles, yeah. It's Julie Styles and Ghostwriter as like a hacker. Anyway, it's like that, but also mixed with The Matrix and mixed with like someone who heard about. Blade Runner, but didn't see it, maybe? I don't know. Jocasta is behind a computer virus that's also a zombie virus. Everyone in this world is, like, partial tech. They have some... They all seem to be some kind of cyborg, and so her virus goes out and infects everyone. Machine Man, this is... You know, he's been in love with Jocasta, but not this one particularly, because um, it's a different universe, but he is able to stop her and, and save... Um, <clears throat> Uh, Jakali Kane from the uh, virus that's spreading. Um, issue five, I just wrote down meta garbage. Um, there's an uber nerd fan who's, you know, observing the Marvel Universe. He's buying comics and uh, he gets the virus and he's kind of a turd, um, but decides instead of eating people, you think he's going to succumb and eat people. And then he's like, no, I could be the one that doesn't eat anyone that saves everyone. And I could just like, you know, kill myself in my apartment and stop the virus from spreading because no one ever, no one would ever do that. He's like, but then, but what if I'm a, what if I use my undeadness to be a hero? And he's about to embark on that when uh, Machine Man and uh, Jakali and uh, Howard the Duck catch up to him and get a sample of his DNA and then uh, kill him. Just burn him up to bits. So anyhow, um, that's Marvel Zombies 5. What did you all think? I almost liked it. I Yeah, like, I had an enjoyable time with it, surprisingly enough. Yeah. I think that Same. was I I endured it like it wasn't it wasn't bad it wasn't for me but the, the I liked the world hopping um we've we've seen that in other, like externals um you know that was interesting I didn't care about these characters but the it was interesting seeing you know these little variations in like you know how are they going to fight the virus in this kind of this kind of world there were references to other classic zombie iterations the um um, zombies in the Old West were called Romeros. I think that's for... Romeros and, and Raimis. I loved Boyle. Them. I thought that was such a fun... I didn't catch what they convention. were in the last two, but... That's the thing is, I think that the convention falls apart after you get past Romeros and Raimis. Okay. Well, they hit the big ones, I guess, so... Yeah. Um, art was art was decent. It, they, they had other artists towards the end. Oh, I didn't mention the creative team. I... This is read, written by Fred Van Lenty. Um, the artist is uh, Kano, the main artist, who is actually... Uh, he is an artist from Spain, who I... Yes, Jose An uh, Angel Kano Lopez, Angel Kano Lopez, but he goes by Kano. And 
the rest of the team, because there were other artists and pencilers and inkers, uh, Tom Palmer, Val Staples, Simon Boland, who's a letterer, Mike, uh, Rafa Garris is a penciler, um, Alvaro Lopez, Tom Palmer is an inker, uh, Maury Hollowell is a colorist, Val Staples is a color, Simon Boland again, the letterer, uh, Michael Kaluta is the penciler on the cover, uh, Michael Kaluta is the penciler on issue three, um, and then we have Felix Ruiz, Tom Palmer again, let's see, everyone else is the same, Leonard Kirk did that cover, Fer- uh, Fernando Blanco is the penciler on issue four, and Val Staples, uh, Christina Strain is another artist, Felix Ruiz, Jeff Darrow, and issue five, there's also penciler Frank Brunner, Brunner, and cover artist Mike Del Mundo. So there's the, the Jeff Darrow does the cover to, uh, I think it was number four, the Saturday yeah, issue. Yeah. Holy crap, that cover is so, Jeff Darrow is a great artist. He's so good. He pops up from time to time in all sorts of different things. He does a lot of comics. He does. He's even done a couple of magic cards, uh, and his illustrations there were very good. That um, was my favorite yeah, cover. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. I actually really. I know. I know you called it meta garbage, but issue number five was probably my favorite, mostly because it was the most different. I actually. I actually liked the aspect of somebody knowingly becoming a zombie and preventing it and actually for the most part succeeding uh, and i mean i think the part i found kind of funniest about that is just how anticlimactic it ends yeah. for him right because he's making himself out to be this martyr this hero who's doing this thing and he kind of wants to be known for it but like there's no real good way for him to be recognized for his achievement and in the end he just kind of gets burnt to a crisp and obviously christ is averted but something about that issue I quite liked. And I think for me it was my favorite. Also had the least amount of Machine Man and Howard the Duck. Good point. I yeah. liked Machine Man and Howard the Duck. They're fine. I just I don't particularly care for them. I didn't hate them, if that's anything. It was Machine Man was amusing. Uh, all the different nicknames he had for humans. Mm-hmm. You know? And I just I just don't care. It's like we really need to read Next Wave Agents of Hate at some point because that's where this version of Machine Man comes from, and I'm I'm curious to see because I've I've read it but it's been years now. I, I'm curious how well it's going to hold up and if it will change our opinion on who Machine Man is and how much we like him at all. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I thought issue five is is really interesting. I think it would have worked better as an issue three rather than an issue five. As the end of the series, it feels like a cop-out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, issue three was actually quite good as well. I, I If I was going to rank these issues, <laughs> my top five Marvel 5 Zombies books, uh, I'd probably put five, three, four, then like one and two. Yeah. Um, four would probably be at the bottom for me. Two would be the second from the bottom because two... like. I was reading issue one, and I was actually kind of enjoying it. Issue two, I was also kind of enjoying it, and then all of a sudden, I was not. I do not do, like, hurting babies. Oh, yeah. I don't Mm -hmm. don't do that. I don't do that anymore. Ever since I've had a kid, I could... First episode (laughs) of Lost in Space, like, the the dad and the, the little boy are, like, walking out in the ice, and the boy falls through, and he falls down a hole, and the dad has to leave him. Because the boy's not dead, but his daughter is going to die. So dad has to leave this little boy trapped under the ice for a little... I can't do child endangerment at all. Yep. And issue number yeah. two, that's the one where Killraven releases the zombie virus to drive off the Martians. And it infects all of the pregnant women in the breeding pits. And the pregnant women all die, but then zombie babies crawl out of them. It's, it's exactly the sort of like over-the-top, gruesome horror schlock that zombie media tends to be known for Mm -hmm. but it's babies and i have a baby right now cannot i i almost noped out of the whole series after that that's fair it gets it 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 doesn't dwell on that like no it, it does it for like the one or two pages and then moves on rather quickly and moreover it's like this series doesn't revel in the gross out horror the way that a lot of the other marvel zombie stories do 
Like there's a little bit of it in issues one and two, especially. Mm-hmm. Issue three is just straight up an action comic. Mm-hmm. Issue four is mostly incomprehensible, but it's all like <laughs> weird cyber zombie stuff and it's not too bad. And then issue five subverts your expectation. You think that the, you know, the nerdy Hikikomori type is going to pop out and he's going to eat the Girl Scout and he doesn't. He buys cookies and eats the cookies instead of the Girl Scout. And it, it's just like, it subvert. he almost bites the head off the parrot and then feels bad about it and lets the parrot go. I yeah. did like that his name was Lockheed. That was cute. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> no, like issue five. Again, if it weren't the last issue of the series, I would have really liked it. it yeah, it um, would have been a really good issue to put like at three, maybe even four, to kind of subvert expectations and like really give a twist on kind of the formula. I think issue three would have been, or at least that setting would have been a much more interesting end for the series, which is the medieval issue. The problem is the series doesn't end. No, right. Like it just kind of stops. This this it arc stops. stops. It end. Yeah. yeah. And that's frustrating. It's this is the first Marvel Zombies story that we've read that doesn't actually have an ending. Right, because the point is yeah. that they're collecting zombie data, right? And they collect all the zombie data they need, but we don't really get to see the effect of that, right? Like what gets done with that data or nothing like that. We, right. We we just get the collection of it. That's it. That's and I lame. didn't, I didn't check to see if it's like gonna be picked up later. That that works for me. Like they're working on a cure. That um, I don't like that it's Morbius because I'm just I'm again like not even as a joke. I just don't care. Like I know that like You're an anti-Morbius. <laughs> just the I'm, movie, just how dumb it was, and everyone's like, yeah, put it back in theater or put it back on or put it. Oh, back I, on love I love that. I love that because nobody was asked. Nobody was asking for it no. back. Everybody just went so hard on that. It's Mormon time. <laughs> and Sony, or, or not Sony, was it Sony? It was yeah. Sony. Yeah, Sony was like, oh, that must mean they love it. Then <laughs> nobody showed they up. Only, it's only for num. They're like, oh, it's trending. Therefore, uh, the numbers say do this. It's like, no, you idiots. <laughs> it's so bad. And it's not so bad that it's good. It's just bad. So, yeah. So, I, so I'm like... Yeah, Morbius being like front and center is yeah bummer. But the Morbius fact that is good in Marvel Snap, <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good in Marvel Snap. That's true. I I got it back into playing a little bit, but haven't gotten any like new cards or anything exciting. It's just like, mm-hmm. yep my my destroyer deck still works. You know, like throw <laughs> in uh, Deadshot or not Deadshot, Deathlock and um, Venom and uh, Carnage. You know, with with you know Sabretooth and Deadpool and. And Wolverine, and then, you know... Yep, yep. Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, ah. yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I think that, I th- apart from the baby zombie things, which personally didn't bother me as much, I thought it was, like, a neat moment. I was like, yeah, this is kind of that schlocky, over-the-top zombie violence type of thing that, you know, is kind of common. The, the thing that actually bugged me the most <laughs> was Kane in the fourth issue. Where she's getting like, oh, she's yeah. getting her cyberpunk implants, her cybernetic implants, so that Machine Man might have a thing for her because she kind of thinks she has a thing for, for him. She's known him for a week, and she's going to get like cybernetic him. She jumped from the old west to the yeah. cyberpunk future in a week, and she's like, "I love this Machine Man. I'm gonna get cybernetic." I'm like, yeah. "No." This again. This is why I think issue five would have been better as the ending, because at least for her, for a personal arc for her, right? She gets exposed to the outside world. She kind of meets these people, and then you know you could frame it in that fifth issue as she doesn't quite need Machine Man or 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 she don't need no man, um, <laughs> and she can be the hero of that, right? Because she is. Set up to be. Oh, you mean the third issue, not the fifth issue? Yeah, yeah. Well, I meant the third issue as the fifth issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. with you now. And so you could have had her have like this really cool moment where it's like she has adapted to this stuff. She's kind of over her weird crush with on Machine Man, and it would have been like a really cool way to frame that, especially since she is kind of set up to kind of be our hero for this book. And I think that would have been a really cool ending. Other than that, I don't really have any complaints or, or problems with the 
with a book, surprisingly. Yeah, no, like, again, I almost genuinely liked this because I was having fun with it. It really grossed me out in a way that, that I just can't deal with anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, like... So all of these different universes that they visit, I feel like, have a correlation with some Marvel story. Like, the whole Killraven thing. That was a Marvel comic story. Killraven was a, like, Martian fight freedom fighter after, you know, the Martians invaded in the War of the Worlds. Like, that's a Marvel comic. All of those, like the hurricane, mm-hmm. the, the the different cowboys, that is a, there is a cowboy stable of Marvel Comics characters. Mm-hmm. They're all mostly forgettable. Yep. Frankly, I think cowboy comics in general are pretty forgettable. The uh, DC had um, Jonah Hex. That one was pretty good. But also Jonah Hex was a former Confederate soldier, so I'm not sure how well that's aged. Ooh. Anyway, it's about as well as the Confederate itself, I would guess. <laughs> oh, no. I got a statue Jonah of Jonah Hex. Hicks. Those comics were not that old. <laughs> yeah, neither are some of the like, flags that they keep making. <laughs> <laughs> okay, touche. The, yeah, the Jonah the Jonah Hex comic series lasted longer than the actual Confederacy. Yeah. It's the it's the statue that's the real troubling part. They just won't. They won't take it down in Richmond. They say something about heritage, <laughs> something about something about states. Yeah, rights, it's, it's, of, yeah, it's really weird that Richmond decided to prop up a Jonah Hex statue in the yeah. middle of the town. I don't remember street. him shooting minorities in the uh, comic, but they say that's what it's all about, and they well, don't want to get rid of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, anyway, you like you like opening that can of, can of worms, didn't you, Stephen? Yeah. <laughs> It's fun to explore these <laughs> lesser visited corners of the Marvel Universe with zombies and, like, nobody cares about them. Nobody cares about Killraven. Nobody cares. Like, yeah. Killraven is a, is a no, nothing character. But it's like, oh, hey, that's a thing that I recognize from, like, the, the bargain bin at my comics shop. No, I do like that they're, you know? they're using every piece of the buffalo, you know. Kind of. <laughs> well, yeah. It's they're, fun. they're, they're, yeah. yeah. If we're gonna make a, if we're gonna have like a character in here, that's just for one little bit or whatever, that's fine. But mm-hmm. l- let's let's use some little throwaway, ca- like let's use a character that we already have. Like that's fun. That's fun. Little callback in yeah. there. But yeah, I just yeah. Yeah. Now now that you said that thing about the correlation, I think a lot of these books are in a setting that has gone out of style from Marvel. Because, I mean, yeah. like like you were saying, right? Like, each of these has some correlation to something else, right? The Western comics we talked about already, the War of the Worlds thing. Not that long ago, we read uh, the Black Knight stuff. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that, that was at some point in the 90s or 80s that they were pumping out some cyberpunk stuff that nobody cares about anymore. <laughs> uh, and, and obviously yeah. their connection to the real world, right? Which has always been kind of one of the... I don't know the biggest, but one of the main differences between Marvel and DC has been that Marvel's always been a little bit more grounded in the real world as opposed to DC and its many, many fiction, fictional cities. Yeah. True. Although DC did once trap Superboy Prime in the real world and Superboy Prime became a uh, basement-dwelling, angry comic book fan. That's a whole thing. Uh, we'll talk about it later no we won't this is a marvel podcast (laughs) (laughs) why we spent so much time talking about ninja turtles (laughs) i thought that the same accident that blinded daredevil gave them their powers that was the lore that i heard it it did dude i don't know this is like the this is the rumor that you hear about like oh and my uncle works at nintendo it's that kind of thing you know i've just (laughs) never questioned it (laughs) okay that okay so that is canonical to the ninja turtles it's not in a canonical to daredevil in a sense because they did that as like an, an an homage and they have said that ever since that like that chemical that gave daredevil his powers is the same chemical that helped make them or not chemical but like the same accident that's where like that spill was so to one of them it's canonical to the other one it's not (laughs) well there you go yeah no i did (laughs) you know sometimes like things that you hear as a kid you take as just gospel until someone's like you know that's not like yeah 
because you think about it, you're like, well, why would why would turtles be wandering around like four of them in New York and a rat too? <laughs> like what did did like some fellow boxer drop them in that in that warehouse or something? <laughs> What's a boxer yeah. do with a turtle? You know, Rocky had a box. Yeah. Rocky had a turtle. Never mind. Rocky had a turtle. Nope. Theory still holds up. Well, John, they they didn't want to do anything illegal by like putting metal plates in their gloves, so they stuffed the turtles in their boxing gloves. <laughs> oh no, the baby turtles. Oh no, <laughs> cracking their shells. Oh gosh, that is not rad or tubular. That is that is no surfer language like adjacent <laughs> feeling. I don't know. According to the official boxing league, that was probably a radical change. <laughs> oh. I wonder if that fell under the same uh, <laughs> the same Airbud problem, where it never explicitly <laughs> said you can't stop. Ain't no rules say you can't have a boxing glove full of turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy, we've got off on a tangent. <laughs> Let me tell you why I think Machine Man is kind of the perfect... Well, Machine Man and, uh-huh. and Howard Duck, specifically. Why I think they are the perfect protagonists. Please do. Machine Man is, like, the perfect zombie-fighting machine, right? He is not actually fleshy, therefore the zombies can't eat him. So that means that when Machine Man is actually involved... You don't have the same level of gross-out horror. You have action violence. So now instead of being, you know, Night of the Living Dead, this is Resident Evil 4. Now, I like Mm. Night of the Living Dead. That is a classic for a reason. But which one am I more likely to go back and revisit? Night of the Living Dead or Leon Kennedy, you know, roundhouse kicking a little baby Napoleon zombie? Trick question. You're going to watch Shaun of the Dead. Instead. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're all good, but one of them is definitely more the type of good that I like to experience. I really enjoy the, like, goofy era of Resident Evil, uh, which I think might have honestly just been Resident Evil 4. And, you know, so Machine Man is great for the uh, tone setting, the humor side of things. Howard the Duck is there to make sure that you know, there's no chance anybody's going to take this seriously. Howard the Duck's whole thing is that he is just, like, completely over whatever setting he's dropped into, right? Yeah. And I think that works I think that works really well. As a pairing, those two are surprisingly entertaining. I feel like, unfortunately, I think Jackie's kind of the, the wrong third person for this. And they didn't really know what to do with her, which is why they kind of put her in a weird love triangle with Machine Man and Jocasta, that didn't... That does does not work. She's a fine character on her own, but, like, she's too serious for this tone that they're going for. And it it makes the book a little bit uneven. But I I will defend Machine Man as the protagonist of these zombie stories because they make me more interested in... Because he's a hoot. All right, when... I want to disagree, but that's a well-reasoned argument. Um, (laughs) Particularly Howard the Duck, like, being able to drop in and give commentary on all these different, you know, the changing, um, you know, scenarios they find themselves in. I just... I just don't care about the characters, personally, so... You don't have to care I just need to... Well, I just need to read more um, comics, I suppose, so... Oh, darn. Anything else we want to say about Marvel Zombies 5? No, no. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Legitimately do think this is the best one we've read so far. I would concur. I had had quite an enjoyable time with it. Well, in that case, let's move on to... So I've actually read this story before. Um, I I had this one in trade because I had money burning a hole in my pocket at Barnes & Noble one night, and I saw the trade sitting on the shelf, so I'm like, oh, cool, R.L. Stein wrote a Marvel comic. I'll pick up Man-Thing and and read it and see what it is like. Uh, So here we have uh, Man-Thing, written by R.L. Stein, art by, uh, I'm going to say that's Herman Peralta, I'm not positive about that, Uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by Travis Lanham. Who boy, 
this story <laughs> goes all over the place. It starts with Man-Thing fighting like a giant monster, but then all of a sudden we get a cut, and no, it turns out that Man-Thing is actually starring in his own superhero movie, but the movie's not going well, test audiences don't like him, they think he's too gross, so he just kind of wanders off uh, on his own. The, the movie thing is just done. But all of a sudden he sees another Man-Thing, and they get in a fight, and the two Man-Things fight, and then he gets teleported to a swamp where he sees his ex-girlfriend, and he tries to save his ex-girlfriend, but then he gets attacked by snakes, and then he tries to figure out what's going on, and also his girlfriend disappeared, so he goes and, and tries to find the old man of the woods who knows everything, but the old man of the woods has been kidnapped, so he goes off into another dimension to try to rescue the old man of the woods, and it turns out that in this other uh, dimension, there's like a gladiator arena, and he has to fight this gladiator in order to rescue the old man, but he turns into a human, and so he can't fight, and the gladiator won't fight the human, so the gladiator kills himself so that he doesn't have to fight the human, and then he gets mind-controlled, and he winds up killing the old man of the, the forest, but it turns out the old man of the forest doesn't actually die. He's beheaded, and his head is like hopping around and insulting him, and so they have to go find him a new body, and they find him a new body, but then they fall through a portal in time, and uh, Man-Thing gives the Old Man of the Forest this, like, medallion so that he can get back to his own time, and Old Man of the Forest makes it back, but Man-Thing winds up getting stranded in a dimension that's full of other Man-Things who think he's ugly. Uh, Freud's pen exploded halfway through that description, so... This is a hard story to talk about because, like, I feel like I did a pretty good job of describing the plot. Oh, no, you hit every point perfectly. Yeah, that was really good. But, like... None of these points connect to each other. The man thing was fighting the man thing and the snakes came out. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> it's, it's, this is, this is a frustrating story. Cause it's like, I wanted to like it. R.L. Stein, you know, I wasn't actually big into Goosebumps as a kid, but I did go to a library. And so the name R.L. Stein is burned into my brain forever with vaguely positive associations. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, I want to like him. I want this to be good, and there are a lot of things about it that I like, but as a story, it just doesn't work. <laughs> just, there's, there is no connective tissue to any of these points. Anyway, uh, that was summary plus kind of initial gut reaction. What did you all think? I, I think that R.L. Stein was like enthusiastic about it and was trying to make it fun and engaging. I It felt... I don't know, like the the narration and tone or whatever was kind of weird for a comic because I like, I don't know, I like we, we he was like oh there's his girlfriend and then he like whisked off to do something else like it was kind of episodic with no with no resolution that felt satisfaction like satisfactory from one issue to the next, um, yeah like you said like you know th there wasn't much of a through line and so it was kind of like okay now we're doing this oh okay now we're doing this you know there were different parts that were okay and i didn't know anything about the man thing so i was like okay th this is like marvel swamp thing right so what's what's he all about and um i, I mean it's i i'm not like upset that i read it but it was kind of like all over the place but maybe that was the point i don't know yeah i wasn't <laughs> So I actually liked the story. It is weird. It is a little all over the place. The right, the actual writing itself, to me, didn't feel very good. <laughs> like a lot of it, <laughs> I, a, a lot. I don't know how old R.L. Stein is. I'm guessing pretty old at this point. <laughs> and uh, a lot of the book to me felt like, "Hello, fellow kids." <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> which, which I'm typically not against if it's in character for a character, but to the fact that like everybody was trying to do like this kind of millennial zoomer humor, and nobody in the writing staff is a millennial or a zoomer, so it just comes across as frankly a little bit of cringe. Um, so for me, it just it kind of. I'm not going to say it ruined the whole book for me, but boy, did it age really fast. <laughs> mm. Well, so I'm going to stand up for the writing here a little bit because R.L. Stein literally writes for literal children. In the 90s. Yeah, the I was going to say that. How old is... I'm looking this up. How old? He, I think he was born around 1950. 
1950, maybe 1960? Because I did look it up earlier. Oh, yeah, no, he's from 1943. Oh, My shoot. My favorite fact about R.L. Stein is that R.L. Stein is actually his name. Yeah, I was, I was sure. I was like, this guy just made his name out of, like, the Wheel of Fortune letters. Like, <laughs> R-L-S-T-N-E, and they yeah. threw an I in there because it sounds like Frankenstein. But I was like, that's ridiculous. I thought it was, like, the publisher. I thought it was, a, like, a, like, a, like, a scheme by Scholastic to sell more books. Like, ooh, the author has a creepy name, but it's really, like, ten ghost authors. But, no, he's a real dude. Uh, Robert Lawrence Stein, apparently. I, I tried to think, like, I read a few Goosebumps books, and they're, they're silly. Yeah, he like, wrote those when he was 50. Jeez. <laughs> he, is a, he is a silly man who writes silly stories that are vaguely scary. And so, with that in mind, this is a silly story. And it's, it's supposed to be silly. And so, the fact that the dialogue is super corny, and, you know, the... the 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 jokes are really like on the nose and kind of lame. Like that's who R.L. Stein is as a writer. You go into an R.L. Stein project. That's kind of what you get. If you're if you're not wanting, you know, corny jokes, you don't go to R.L. Stein. Just like if you don't want porn stars traced, you don't go to Greg Land or Greg Horn. I always mix those two up. They're they're neither of them are my taste in in illustrator. There you go. Anyway, so like. If it's not to your taste, that's fine. But I, I do think that there's a little bit of, you know, this is just who R.L. Stein is. But yeah, I, I don't want to... I'm not going to be able to defend much more of the story <laughs> just because it... Yeah. <laughs> like like I said, to me, the story was fine. Like, I enjoyed it. It's the It was the actual dialogue that was written. I liked that I had no... <laughs> this is going to sound a little weird... I liked that I had no idea what was going on, except for what is happening right now on this very panel. <laughs> half the time, I didn't know how we got to that point, and I, the other half of the time, I had no idea where it was going to take me. And I think in a lot of other books, I would hate that, but the fact that this book is was kind of weird from the beginning, I was like, okay, this is kind of the ride I'm in for. Like, I like the part where he's in that coliseum, and he's trying to rescue the old father and he figures out how he can transform into man thing and he does it but he's tiny and i thought that was hilarious i actually audibly laughed out loud (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh look at that tiny man thing (laughs) that's what she said (laughs) there it is (laughs) what i don't know much about the backstory like who was he again like before so I think the origin story that we get here is pretty accurate. I'm not super familiar with the character. He is basically kind of like a Swamp Thing ripoff. Sure. Um, although it might, it honestly might be one of those situations where DC and Marvel created these characters kind of independent of each other. I'm not positive on that, though. I don't want to look up Man-Thing versus Swamp Thing. Like, I, I get put on a list, I think. No? Okay. Resounding, uh, uh, echoing silence. Okay. Um, Sorry about that. That silence was deafening. (laughs) (laughs) I think his alter ego changed over the years, though. They went through many different variations. Richard Johnson, Private Willie, Peter Wang. Oh, no. No, 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 no. (laughs) We can bleep that, right? We can just cut that whole part. Anyway, I made a list. I was trying to be prepared. I, I appreciate the effort that you've put into that. <laughs> Trying to do my due diligence. <laughs> I wanted to like it and just kind of was meh. I, I was like, okay, I, I mean, I read a Goosebumps book. This is, you know, R.L. Stein's doing his thing. Trying to, trying to like, I don't, I don't know. It is just R.L. Stein being R.L. Stein. Yeah. Man-Thing as a character, I think, has a lot of potential because uh, generally speaking, Man-Thing is this giant, you know, wordless beast that kind of wanders the swamps. And, you know, there's the the slogan, I think it gets mentioned in the story once, uh, whoever knows fear burns at the touch of the Man-Thing. Like, that's pretty metal. I like that. Yeah. But most of the time, 
Mike's my associations with Man Thing are like he kind of hangs around with Howard the Duck, like the nexus of all realities that that spot in the woods that the old father that I kind of cheekily called the old man of the forest, like mm-hmm. that's that that's all Howard the Duck stuff. Yeah. Too. To to be fair though, for as metal as it is, if it burns when you touch your man thing, you should go to the doctor. <laughs> no. There it is. There it is. No. <laughs> we hate it. Right? Uh, no, it's so good. That's so good. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to call this episode. <laughs> Anyway, I did like the uh, cover to the cover to issue too is pretty cool, um, and the art didn't really like you know wow me or 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 bother me. I'm like trying to remember if there were any particularly like cool panels. Um, I don't know the idea of like the nexus of all realities and like he's out in the woods by himself and like fighting enormous uh, gators. Like that's that's pretty cool, um, and like having spent time in florida and having to drive across the middle part of it that you like no tourists go to i can totally believe that you know man thing is out there just like hitting guys off of fan boats um the the uh, twilight zone-esque little um comics at the end of the uh, issues were pretty creepy so that played too. i did like those yeah they were they were like quick stories um you know, no fluff and all pretty like, Ugh, you know, and so I think that, you know, R.L. Stein kind of flexed like, y- you know, I know what I'm doing. But um, as far as man thing, yeah, I was kind of like, I guess it, it like episodic, like you, you see that in TV shows. Like if, if you watched 24 back in the day, like everything would build up to this like, you know, terrible cliffhanger, you know, edge of your seat, and then quickly resolve to the next episode, on to the next huge cliffhanger, because they, you know, wanted to engage the audience week to week and keep people watching. It felt like we were kind of doing stuff like that in these, but that doesn't work in this medium as well, so... I will say, from the short stories, the only one I didn't like, and it's mostly the ending, I feel like the ending probably could have been done a little better was the bed and breakfast one or the bnb mm-hmm. <laughs> i kind of liked that one. i, I, there I was, liked it don't, yeah. don't get me wrong it's just the way it kind of ends just feels a little like it doesn't have that surprise like, i yeah. don't know how to put it it's good it's funny i liked it but it, i don't know it just i think it could have hit harder but i don't know how yeah it was just kind of like oh it is just a trap okay it's probably the fact that like it's just like three panels for the ending. It's not even like a full page. It's just like the, those last three panels for the twist. And it's like, oh. <laughs> I don't know. The one that kind of comes to mind uh, for me as, as maybe being the weakest was the one with the, the guy who like murders his girlfriend so he can steal her magic ring. And then he wakes up and his fingers are gone. Yeah. The end. He, and he was like just blatantly like, hey, I'm going to get her the whole time. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, subtlety uh, is overlooked a lot of the time. But also at the same time, like, it's just not that kind of story, is it? It's it's supposed to be yeah. like... And it's like, I don't know. I think, again, there is there is like this weird sort of nostalgia for... I feel like I read comics like that when I was a kid. Uh, that I, like, got a collection of horror comics somewhere. And that's that's what they were like. That's just That's just them. They were good. <laughs> I enjoyed them. They creeped me out. I don't actually think I enjoyed them. I think I hated them. But that memory has stuck with me. So now I read it and it's like, oh, this is creepy. And somehow nostalgic. <laughs> I think like fairy tales in other countries, like non-English speaking uh, countries, like... Uh, the I mean, you know, a lot of them come from Germany or whatever, but like the, in some of the original versions, like my, my grandmother said, no, I don't know what the deal is with stories nowadays. Because like when we were little, like Francel and, or Hansel and Gretel, they just went in the oven. That was it. I was like, oh, they didn't escape? She's like, no. So, you know, um, maybe there's something to that. Maybe it's just, you know, sometimes there, there's no happy ending. It doesn't all have to be, you know, happily ever after. Um, I prefer that. I only get into horror when it's actually a thriller or suspense or something. I can't handle horror as a genre. I just, you know, 
either it's it's too many jump scares, too blood and guts, too much like ugh, like horrifying stuff. Um, I just it's not fun for me, as we've mentioned every year on Marvel Zombie Day. Yay! I don't know. I like horror in theory, but it's a rare horror story that I actually like in execution. Yeah, I like the artistry in horror films. There's still some really creative stuff, like on that technical aspect. I just remember Tom Cardi put out a song recently that was like, I'm not going to watch scary movies, but I am going to sit down and read the synopses of horror movies on Wikipedia <laughs> and creep myself out. And the thing is, I've done that. I do that too. I do that. I have never seen The Exorcist 3, but you better believe that I read Wikipedia and found out about the scary scenes and watched like the scary scene on YouTube in my college dorm with the sound off because I was in the public room and I didn't want to distract my roommates who were playing Halo and it creeped me the crap out. So I recently got, um, I don't know if uh, tricked, more like forced to go watch the new Exorcist movie. Um, I didn't, my stomach wasn't very feeling very good that day, uh, fortunately for me. So I had to like leave a couple times to go to the bathroom. Uh, on one of those visits to the bathroom, I looked up the synopsis for the movie, <laughs> so I could <laughs> so I could be better prepared to finish watching the movie because I knew what was coming. <laughs> not not a bad move because I just some some movies that people talk about like I looked up the whole synopsis of Get Out and Us. Um, Alec Jordan Peele and was like, oh, well, he's he's like, you know, making these hit movies and they're horror, but I don't want to watch them. But also, like, they're supposed to be really cool. And what's it all about? And I read them and I was like, too scary, too scary. Just reading about them, can't do it, can't do it. They're both good. I've oh, I'm I'm sure they are quite good. Yeah, um, it it sounded like like oh, this is really like, you know, smartly written and and like it it hit some different level of scary like. Just made made normal life really uneasy, which is like, oh, cool. That's that's rare. That like, I think if you were to make a horror movie, it'd be fun to you know make the the killer or whatever the awful thing is like associated with something completely innocuous, like someone knocking on the door, a doorbell, a phone ringing, like the you know the ring kind of does that, where it's like, oh no, a movie's starting and there's static. Ah! You know, stuff like that where it, it changes what happens to people when they leave the theater that, you know, you're always going to check the back seat of your car to make sure no one's hiding in there. You're always going to, you know, look behind the shower curtain no matter what is happening in the bathroom just in case, you know, something's lurking in there, you know, so that whatever the movie is stays with you in your everyday life. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I'll be. I'll just. I'm just gonna go. I'll, I'll send a replacement next time. <laughs> are 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 we ready to move on? Yeah. <laughs> Probably for John's sake. <laughs> I'm looking where the former uh, Marvel zombies have been, and it's pretty low. The highest. Let's see, is 240, nope, sorry, 235, 234. I don't even know when that was. I'm trying to see what episode was paired with it because we have Marvel Zombies, you know, the first one. We have two, we have three, we have four. And then Marvel Zombies Returns was, I don't even know. I think Marvel Zombies Returns was the last one that we read. I believe so. Yeah, and it was technically like earlier in the continuity. I remember we talked about that. So anyway, yeah, currently on our list, we have 258. Okay, so today we are ranking our 260th comic. That's pretty fun. And yeah, the Marvel Zombies comics, they're all kind of clustered towards the bottom. Marvel Zombies Returns is the highest rated one, I believe, at number 234. I think Marvel Zombies 5 goes higher than that. I would put this at least above Ride the Pain Train. Hmm. It is kind of comparable to that, actually. Yep. Actually, I, I feel like I might put it maybe up one more, like above Silent Night. Because, like, Silent Night was okay. <laughs> I don't know. Because you'd still have the baby zombie scene. The baby zombie scene is, like, the one thing that is keeping this book down lower for me 
Um, and it's like, would I, do I actually want to penalize the whole story for one scene? And then I answer myself and say, it was really gross. And it <laughs> made you sad for your baby. Who is yeah. Okay. You have to remind yourself that she is okay, but boy. Yeah. That seems a little high. Like I, I, I think the highest I would go is, is uh two twenty seven. Like, Put it as the new two twenty seven, just above Galacta, daughter of Galactus, or make Listen, it two twenty eight and bump that down because that's my like everything beneath this line is just no thanks. But at the same time, like I don't hate Civil War the same way that Stephen hates Civil War, <laughs> um, and that's permanently in the in the like lowest third of a, of the list, no matter what happens. So. I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm just gonna say, as as the sole defender and only person who liked it, Galacta, Daughter of Galactus, I think this is better than that. Uh, so <laughs> That's what bare, I said. It could go. It could yeah, go at, just above it. Yeah. At the bare minimum, I actually think this is better than Moon Knight, Silent Night, which ends with him having, you know, sex with his wife and then not being very happy and then just leaving instead of having oh, a conversation yeah, that about one. his relationship. Which one was the real Battle of the Atom? That's the one with Dupe. Uh, that's the Dupe story. Yes. Yeah. I also like this book more than Original Sin, Hulk versus Iron Man, where we find out Iron Man somehow sabotaged the Gamma Bomb that turned Oh yeah. Banner into the Hulk. Yep. Yeah. I, I think where I started having a problem was maybe Rise of the Midnight Suns, because that was pretty fun. It was not good. Rise is, of the Midnight Suns was not good. Is that not the one where they have the 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 Satan gun or something like that? Rise of the Midnight Suns was the one where it was like all these really 90s comics where everybody is kind of tangentially fighting the same villain, but I don't think they ever really meet up. Anyway, no, Rise of the Midnight Suns is a 90s event comic. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Yeah, there were belts and stuff in that one. <laughs> uh, yeah i take that back I, w- I would put this above yeah i don't know i'm still i still think for me my my floor for this is above ride the pain train i feel like if i if i if i remembered more i feel like i could make a solid argument for above silent night punisher but i don't <laughs> the only thing that makes me want to say it doesn't go quite that high is the fact that I am pretty sure that despite everything, I liked Ride the Pain Train better. Ugh. I don't think I did. <laughs> I know. I, I remember so being list. disappointed in it. <laughs> and I remember kind of liking it. <laughs> but yeah, like, the, the other thing, though, is that right above that is the Eternal Saga. Uh-huh. Which was rough. Yeah. The Cadet and the Corsairs was a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. And so it's like, this, even though it, it grossed me out at, at points, had stuff to it. My hard ceiling is probably that New Warriors comic. Uh, yeah, yes, I vote I for agree. lower. So then we're... <laughs> we, we, yeah. Wherever you two feel is right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've, we've danced this dance before. You yes. And, I, and although... <laughs> It takes three to tango. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know, Stephen. I've given my arguments. What do you feel? I'm I'm also not that invested in it, so I'm I'm totally fine to put it a little bit lower with you, although. Yay! Two eighteen. <laughs> Two eighteen. All the uh, Between Silent Night and Ride the Pain Train. Yay! And then, <laughs> Man Thing. I feel like goes in a similar territory. I hate it when we read two stories and we wind up putting them yeah. in basically the same spot on the list. Should but we I pair? I don't think that this was significantly better. Yeah. In fact, I would actually say Marvel Zombies 5 was better than Man Thing. I yeah. personally liked it more. Same. Which is hard saying that any Marvel Zombies book is better than anything else, but here we are. Um, I would put this... Let's, yeah, like... Same spot, like I'm. I'm pulling for you know the new two twenty nine. Now, um, Galacta Daughter of Galactus, because it's better than that. But that, I mean, not much. Yeah, I don't hate that placement, honestly. You know, right above Galacta, 
Gosh, I don't want to say that sentence. That's a really good place to put this comic book. <laughs> there you go. I found the oh, rephrase. Can't even use its title. Rephrase that. <laughs> that that's fly. a good title. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with the 29. Should we just do that? Sounds like we're all in agreement. Yep. Yeah, okay, so. Well, we just cut a half hour of, of audio content because we cannot talk about the man thing like adults. Well, it's so. I think, it's, I think we did a surprisingly good job. Yeah. Not, good minus job. the 10 minutes of laughter. My little boy has a book called Yes, No, Baby's First Book About Consent. And what? it turns out that part of the conversation of consent is like making sure that children know the names of all their body parts so that they can say, hey, don't touch me there. Yep. And so it's like, I have to read this book because it makes my wife too uncomfortable. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's, we went to the doctor um, yesterday because my boys have like a cough and they're fine. But the, the nurse, when she was like, you know, she just pulled one arm out of their uh, sweatshirt so she could like get the, you know, f- get their um, uh, blood pressure cuff on and everything. She was like, this is only okay because your dad's sitting right there. She was very clear about it. I was like, good good my parents were just like get into the doctor's office you know like i mean they sat with me and everything but like you never know it's it's important to like just have everything out in the open so yep it sure is uh boy so it's kind of a sad time to be a fan of uh captain marvel and ms marvel and all of those characters because the movie is slated to be a flop I'm still gonna. I'm still going. I'm still going to the theater to see it. I just. Yeah. It's. It's been too long, and I'm. I'm just. You know. I know it's going to be very meh, but. I'm. I'm hopeful it won't be. I saw an interview with the director where she was talking about how part of her inspiration for like some of the action scenes, were from the Advent Children movie, and I can't. I cannot for the life of me tell if that's a good or a bad sign. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, it, it, it's it's only good or bad. It's not like oh okay, that's whatever you know. It's like oh that's going to be really fun or oh no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just the energy of a movie, a big blockbuster movie, where millions and hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent, and you're going even knowing that it's going to be bad. It sh- the energy going into this movie should not be you're going to your friend's open mic night or something and you love your friend but you really know it's going to be bad you know that's kind of what it is like i like all the people involved in this movie i'm sure that the filmmakers had the best intention but like it's just not going to be good hey hey bud i i love you but i cannot spend another saturday night at your improv show Uh uh-huh uh-huh yep that's that's exactly (laughs) by a former improviser (laughs) I need a I need a I need a location name anywhere but here. <laughs> the most the most recent trailer for the Marvels gives more screen time to Tony Stark than it does to Kamala Khan. That's a great. And that sign. strikes me as a mistake. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kamala Khan in the comics. Kamala Khan is in such a weird place right now. I'm not, I know. I'm not it happy. Makes me with so it. sad. Yeah. It makes me so sad because she has been one of my favorite characters for so long. And I haven't read the new stuff yet, so, you know, this isn't a judgment on the comics quality or anything like that. It just makes me sad that editorial nonsense is happening to this character that I love so much. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We are reading characters from the Marvels. We're going to read the Photon miniseries from... Uh, I think it's Eve Ewing who wrote that, so that should be interesting. And then we've got a Love Unlimited Infinity comic featuring Ms. Marvel and Red Dagger. So, yeah, Ms. Marvel and Photon, and we've read Captain Marvel pretty recently, so I think we'll say, hey, we're prepared for this movie that I really hope is good. I like I, the Captain I, Marvel character so much. And it it needs so to, mad that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has made her such an unappealing character. And the Black Widow movie was disappointing. And so when these movies, like, when they don't do well commercially, then the message to the people who, you know, greenlight projects is like, well, women superheroes aren't good investments. And it's like, but you, but you, you no, you need to. Uh. Thankfully, Shang-Chi was really good. Yeah, I think they're going to make another a sequel. 
I hope so. Yeah. I it, thought it was fine. I didn't I, think yeah. it was really good. The bus scene was good. Yeah, the bus scene was really oh, good. I loved it. It was also one of the last action movies that uh, uh, Bradley White, I think is his name. Uh, he was he was one of the stunt coordinators and part of Jackie Chan's like elite stunt team like back in the nineties and eighties. It was like the last movie he helped um, do fight choreography for, mm-hmm. which is why there's a lot of a lot of these the city and like some of the non or hold on, it's Brad what, Allen. Brad Allen, yeah, Brad Allen's kind of the reason why a lot of the non like mystical fights have like a Jackie Chan feel where there's a lot of environmental movement and like a use of like the bus. Like it's not just a box that they're in. There's like a lot of dynamic use of like the seats and the bars and stuff like that. Like that was, that was him. Anyway, tune in next time. We'll talk about the Marvels and stuff. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.